1: Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real
0: estate, this is the podcast for you.
1: right, guys, welcome back. Land and Legacy Podcast. Redlined it right out of the gate, Matt. Um, Dang! You always talk loud. Yeah. Oh man. So blasting those
0: speakers.
1: It is, it is an awesome, um, awesome time of the year. First and foremost, happy Veterans Day to you guys. This week. Yeah. A podcast drop on a Tuesday. A couple days later it's gonna be Veterans Day. Um yeah. man, what a what a huge sacrifice and a huge thank you from us, Atlanta Legacy, for all of you veterans out there. There's a bunch of you that listen. Um Man, just guys. A bunch of you that
0: order apparel, we see you. Yeah. We yep. appreciate
1: you. Yeah, no doubt. Um, anyway, so it is November, early November. It's the best time of the year, um, unless we're in late April, and then that's the best time of the year. Um, Amen to that. I'm and ready so, to turkey hunt right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I once again, I say, I say, it, my allergies are way less. They're 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 not bad at all in early November in late aug or April they get pretty bad so I'm becoming more and more a fan of this time of year versus the spring but then there's also something else that's new that I haven't felt this year and when you purchase cows um, spring green up feels is more exciting than fall burn down. And that, I mean, when the frost starts hitting and all of a sudden some of your grass and forage is is, is getting killed for the year, you're like, uh-oh, this is... Not as interesting. Not, it's not nearly as fun. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where we're we, at, so... But we've been really fortunate with
0: weather and frost. I mean, we had frost last week, but they weren't just hard, hard killing frost. They didn't seem to be crazy. Oh, really? Over here.
1: Oh, man. I was at the farm... What day did I go to the farm? Saturday. Yeah. Saturday morning, and my truck said twenty-eight. Woo! And I mean, it was heavy frost everywhere. Wow! Like I flew the drone because I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to get some aerial shots of the woodlands um, before dozing and timbering is complete. And yes. I'm telling you, man, the bottoms were like that kind of like gray look. Mhm. Like if you're on editing and you take the uh grayscale, you kind of like start changing the colors and all of a sudden you're like, "Whoa, it's almost pastel." That's what it looked like. There was like pastel orange, pastel green, and um I mean heavy frost. And so I'm like, "Okay, here we go. No more Johnson grass, no more crabgrass. Um a lot of those a lot of those warm season Grasses, no more grease grass or purple purple top. All that is done. It's it's over. It's done growing for the year. It's no longer great forage. Um, yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, but at the same time, then you also flip that over from a habitat standpoint, and we'll say it again, guys. Incredible time to spray cool season grasses um, for old field management. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had a couple of clients talking to me, sending me photos confirming areas of their farm that have been in there that are covered in cool season grass confirming. Okay. I just want to make sure this is what I'm trying to spray. Yes, it is correct. Glyphosate two yep. quarts of the acre, hammer it, get it done. Spray it when it's above 50 degrees. Nice sunshine. Like today is a beautiful day. It's supposed to be like 74 today. It's perfect time to be spraying cool season grasses and preparing for the future. And just another, another, um, chink just another chink in the in the armor of invasive species or non-native plants um, that are that are across your uh, landscape and you can just keep hammering away hammering away hammering away and all of a sudden your farm is completely transformed and in much more productive than it was a year ago a few months ago ten years ago whatever it may be just just keep hammering away
0: totally that and that's the cool part about that practice this time of the year there's not, there's not a lot of other things that you that are like such a good window for execution yeah. um but, but at the same time if anyone's listened to the podcast from an old field management standpoint that right there is some powerful plant communities that you can really impact and see that response really quickly so if you're kind of looking at it, if you're even if you're if you're a novice or or you've only you've for a long time that practice doesn't grow old, and it's for everybody, and it's now. is a wonderful time. But but I'm glad you made that point of 50 degrees and above and, and sunny. Yep. Those plants got to be working. It's not a don't do it when it's freezing. Maybe it's the middle of the day, 2 o'clock in the afternoon kind of thing. Yeah. Um, if you're close to that 50 degrees. But, wow, you can get ahead of some stuff right there.
1: Yep, no doubt. Another thing you can do, I mean – hunt in the mornings now this is this is early november a lot of guys hunting all day but if you're a guy like me and you're like you know what and eh, i have so much to do i would love to just to get some work in too. feel feel a lot more productive get some exercise in it's a great time to climb out of the stand Ten thirty. take a quick bite to eat jump on a four wheel and go spray out 10 acres or go grab a hatchet and a bottle of herbicide and start doing some hack and squirt or a small chainsaw and a, and a bottle of herbicide and do a little girdling and spray and get some of those trees that you're trying to remove or open up that sunlight and uh, put some herbicide in them right before they take their last big breath and head into the roots for the winter. So, um, yeah, that's another thing to do this time of year. But man, it's—I know some people are toning us out because it's early November and we're talking habitat work. But that's—that's <laughs> that's why we're different on this podcast than others, is because but, the, the focus but, is habitat.
0: But what we're going to talk about this week, though, yeah, is why you need to be focused on habitat 365, because what we're kind of going to be comparing and contrasting is two different experiences. That are occurring right now, situations yep. that that we're in, and I think that both are applicable um, because there's a lot of people out there who are listening, who are doing some fantastic work. We're getting text um, daily from from people, from listeners, not not only clients but listeners as well, saying, "Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're seeing. Look at this response." And I'm I'm watching, observing, deer react just like we talked about on the podcast. All that's great and encouraging, um, but there's also a, another camp who may be new to listening to the podcast, uh, who may be in a similar, who may be in a boat whether hunting the property, maybe it's a lease situation, or maybe it's a situation where you own the ground but you're just timid or shy to, to be able to go in and really manipulate the habitat on a big scale um, to see these changes, and so you're just hunting the ground the way that it is. You're hunting maybe big timber, maybe you're hunting uh, what was an old cattle farm. You're you're not, uh, you're just hunting terrain features. Um, you're not hunting the combination of improved habitat in yep. combination with terrain features. So therefore, the hunting in both of those scenarios are two different things, two no different doubt. experiences.
1: Yep. Yeah, And I think, Matt, your lease is a prime example of what a lot of, I I think it's so relatable to many, many people. Is it's 160 acres that is mostly forested um, with some habitat work that has happened, or timber work, I should say, where a forester is involved and you're kind of just waiting on time. To for the next cut or the next thinning, and not a lot of burning happening because it's a timber property. And some foresters are pro burning, a lot of them are not, or I should say, some are pro burning, some are not. Uh, For some of you guys that said, "Hey, I'm a forester and I'm pro burning," um, there's more of us than there are them. But in our in our experience, it's it can be give half and half if you want. Um, depending on the day, I might tell you, I, I feel like there's more that are anti-burning than there are pro-burning, um, just for damage that can be caused to trees. So you don't have that aspect. Um, and really, uh, the, the main thing that you can do there is food plotting.
0: That's right. I can can manipulate some of the openings, the, um, old logging decks, um, and basically, a perennial plot or an annual plot, I, I can certainly do that. Um, but then I'm just I'm hunting, I'm I'm hunting the land the way that it that it is, and not the way that it could be. And so, I'm using what terrain features that are there, and trying to use that to dictate deer patterns, travel patterns, deer movement. Um, and and then too the the shape of the property, it's a little bit like an L, but but really you're about a quarter mile wide on this property. It's kind of long and narrow. And what's been occurring is deer show up one day, they're gone for a day or two, then they might show up the next day. It, it's just very they pop in, they pop out, they pop in, and they're always a quarter mile away from the property line so it doesn't take much movement especially this time of year for you have activity and then it feels like you don't and you're in the game and then you're right back out of the game instead of holding deer close and 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 allowing them to move or dictating how they move based on the terrain and, and topography so so that's a situation that again many people are, are finding themselves in it's it's just here's the ground I fill out cameras i put i put um I put the food plot in and right now a food plot doesn't mean much to to the white-tailed deer because of the rut so a lot of experiences adam we hear from from people of man I hate hunting the rut i I hate it it's like I had deer pattern on scrapes or had them coming through a food plot and then it's like, just just mass chaos in the deer woods because the lack of predictability the lack of definition on the landscape that it just makes it really difficult to hunt so i'm sitting here i've got a tag and i'm hunting this property that we're that we're describing and experiencing that exact same thing yeah which is which is Again, I, I think very valuable for us and for, for listeners to, to see like, hey, although this is what we do and this is what we preach, this lease is good and he kept this time of year. So that's, that's why I got it. But we're, we're, we're trying to be as relevant as possible so we can see, okay, in comparison, you guys have done quite a bit of work on your place in the last couple of years, but, but really you scratched the surface yeah and, and so far what you've seen in the hunt with dookie was a great reminder of man they're using this type of habitat very very routinely i mean day in and day out it makes sense why they're doing it yeah you go in you harvest the deer on the second hunt yeah um and then in comparison to to a rut hunt when when bucks and we know this GPS collars bucks are moving their tails off. It may yeah. not feel like it, it may not seem like it, because you're not hunting, you're not having great, great success, but they still are doing it. It just leads more into how do I how do I get myself on board to not be frustrated by the best time of the year to be deer hunting? No I mean, doubt, if, if, if that's if that's your situation, that's where you find yourself in right now. That's the light bulb moment. That's like the, oh, that's the wake-up call say, this literally is the best time. Bucks don't move like this, cover as much ground, on their feet as much, any other time of the year, and I'm struggling, something's not right. Something is not working, and we're just here to say,
1: hey, we've been there in that moment, but we also know the solution. Yeah, you think about it. It's kind of that 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 phrase you're 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 uh, you're dealing with the cards you're dealt, yeah. where you know you may not like hold'em, but that's that's the Texas hold'em. That's the that's the cards you're dealt right now. You're playing that game, and so you're basically sitting there waiting for either a food source to change, a neighbor to overpressure part of that Bucks core area, so he shifts over on you. Um, to start using your place, whatever it may be. You're just dealing with the cards that you're (coughs) dealt. And Chad and I have the ability, and as many landowners um, have the ability as going, you know, I don't like that game. I don't even have to play Hold'em. I can play a totally different game. I can play Uno if I want. Um, And I can just do things totally different. I can really get aggressive, start managing timber, and all of a sudden I'm playing the game I want to play. And I've dealt the cards I want to dealt, and the deer are reacting to that, and the wildlife are reacting to that. And you have a much uh, – you had the ability to be much more successful and feel like you have a much bigger impact uh, on, the, on the deer movement, on the deer patterns, and your overall success. Like yeah. Goofy. I mean, Goofy was a prime example of that. Like you said, you know, we hunted him twice, and we got him, and, and really – it was a okay. Uh, he's he's now daylighted. We knew kind of felt like we had an idea of his core area. We felt like you know he's in that area, even though it may be a few days between photos, it may be even a week or two between photos. But we felt like that was his core area. We just need to know he's moving in daylight. And once I mean, we got a picture of him in daylight, next day we went in there and we got him, uh, in a totally different area. I mean, the 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 wasn't I don't know the the, no, I mean, it was hundreds of yards between, and yeah. um, we just felt like, okay, you know, he went that way last night, there's a good chance he goes this way tonight, and lo and behold, between that hunch and trusting our instinct and a grunt call, we had him in range. Um, yeah. And that right there, I mean, as you said, Chad and I barely scratched the surface in the habitat management, the habitat restoration that's occurred, but yet... Where we've worked the hardest, where we've done the most management is where it's the centralized place of a lot of the nice bucks on the property. That's where they're at. I mean, Goofy was doing it, and now this this nice 10 who likely is four and a half um, that we're still kind of holding out on going, I, I would really like to see him get another year just because I feel like he could be a booner. Um, if he does what donuts did and what I think he could do, but who knows if he, you know, if you want to go down that road, um, he could just be another hundred and mid forties 10 point next year, but we don't know. Um, but as soon as uh, goofy was harvested, it's like that deer has adopted that range or has been more, um, photogenic in that range. I should say where we were just getting a few pictures of him and then all of a sudden it's like almost daily. And he's on the same rotation, the same pattern as Goofy.
0: Well, which which right obviously means okay, there's there's does in the area. Yep. and there also means that it is a there's high quality resources for deer to be frequent and for one to be killed mm-hmm. and then one to slide in and do the exact same thing. Like there's there's reasons why deer are using those areas, and so this is not some like extreme correlation that we're trying to just connect the dots with here this is um same cameras cameras haven't been moved Boom, deer gets shot this deer's here and it's consistent if you guys wanted to you go in and kill that deer yeah i I feel i feel confident that that if you wanted to put an arrow in the deer um it's just a matter of getting the right wind and 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 having the success there um and and that that's a great feeling to have. And and there might be someone out there wondering, Matt, you know, what about, what about, um, what about the Elam Ridge or that the property, the house where the house is at? Yes, I have that, but, but this was half of a growing season and just a, a minor update. There's probably eight to 10 deer in the food plot every night. And I'm just sitting back, waiting for success to see what does one season here even look like. Yeah. There, there there's a lot of different bucks coming through. There's a incredibly great looking three and a half year old that yeah, I get it. It's it's thirty five acres. He's he's probably not on the property right now. Yeah. He could be anywhere. And so the chance of him being harvested is pretty big. Yeah. By someone not me but uh-huh. at the same time, I don't know if it's not, it, there's just not enough time here to be able to see what the neighborhood's like, and then for the habitat and the wildlife to be able to respond to what has happened in such a short half of a growing season time frame. So, it's working, it's developing, we're seeing way more deer than than normal. If I wanted to go and harvest a doe, certainly could, or um, we'll have an encounter with that great deer, certainly could, but right now the main focus is let this thing just do let yeah. let let everything respond and do what it needs to do let it cook
1: let it cook yeah
0: let it cook because late season this this property i think is only going to get better yeah It'll only get more superior with the amount of food that it does have on it so it's it's like almost like that little gym that you're like i'm watching you but i'm not trying to do anything Harmful negative impact on it, but all that to be said, this is this is like a defining moment, I feel like, or should be for people who have considered manipulating the habitat. It's the rut, is like to me a really good indicator of quality of cover to me,
1: yeah, and and like to me, it's a great it's the time of the year where you can really put the magnifying glass on mature bucks and consistent deer patterns, um, where I think a lot in timber country. And and,
0: and those two things, again, just, they don't seem to go together, rut and consistency. Those two things have always been preached articles, written videos about, you know, this just random chaos. And, and, and sure, some of that is a little true. You might get this new buck. You didn't know, but, but guess what? You you gain more during the rut than you lose if you have that quality habitat. Yeah, no so, doubt. So ugh, it, it, this is just a really good test um, and, uh, let's say, temperature reading of, of really how do you stand in comparison to where you want to be, but then two, where you think you ought to be, and then three, in comparison to your neighbors. Yeah, what
1: yeah. Your neighbors? yeah. I think with, with like timber country, there's almost this like wave effect or mi- migration effect where you may hunt a spot that's got some sign, and all of a sudden it's just like deer are gone for a few days. And then all of a sudden they come back. And you're kind of like, uh, I think about this a lot growing up with, with trail cameras out where I'd have trail cameras on scrapes, and it would be like, okay, there he is. Let's go get him. But then he would be gone for a week or a right. week and a half. And then all of a sudden he comes back and he's there for a little bit. And I get him on some other cameras and then he's gone again. And he's just like, what yeah. in the world? Am I pressuring this deer? And it's just like, that's how big of a range they have in timber country that's not been managed. Right. Uh, I think of like, in the as you go north, you can really push a deer's home range and, make it, and shrink it down when it's chisel plowed crops or cut crops or overgrazed pasture and the 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 cover aspect is just very small it's little pockets well a deer sticks to that little pocket it's much easier to hunt a deer when you know that eh, there's a 90 percent chance he's in this little 40 acre patch of timber and marsh or whatever it may be but in timber country, when it's vast acres and acres and acres and you think of national forest, and you're just like, it seems like they come by in waves where they're here one week, gone the next, or they're here for three days and gone for 10. And I feel like that's what you can, you're experiencing with your lease, not quite as big of a scale because it's a little bit more fragmented, fragmented in that, in that landscape or in that little neighborhood. But like, we've seen it change on our farm where it's like, oh, okay, We've really cut, we've burned, and there's a lot of vegetation, native vegetation. There's some food plots and different things. And it's like, they're, they seem to be, every day, they're right here in this little circle. Not saying they don't take a little, a little walk about, but it seems like they come back the next day. And it's just so much, to me, just reiterates. Quality cover, quality cover, quality cover. And that comes from managing natural resources.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think that there's any other way to create cover that is sustainable year after year after year. Then, then, if if you don't manage your natural resources and you don't disturb it, there's oh, yeah. there's not another there's not another equation that's going to have the same output and productivity. You have to manage shrubs. You have to manage for uh, timber harvest. You have to have young sprouts, you have to have young forests, you have to have brambles, all those types of plants. It's it's funny, and we're sitting here talking about specific types of plants and and correlating it to a specific deer behavior during during you know the rut period. And it's like if if someone someone's out there thinking, guys that, that's a far stretch, it's not. Yeah. It, it, this, this, is exa- this is the point that we're trying to make is that that is what deer are keen into. That is what they are requiring, what they're needing, what they're seeking. So if you don't have it, that's why you're in the boat that you're in. And if you do have it, that's why you're sitting there. If you have, let's say this, if you have it in the right places and you're hunting it right and it's secure and all these things, then you're experiencing a, a completely separate type of hunting and observations and rut no doubt but there is a difference and, and the correlation or excuse me the combination between habitat or the plant communities that are that are there and present and, and the,
1: the white tailed deer, they're so strongly correlated. Yeah. So strongly correlated. I think, Don't like be right, by. right now there's the, I'm looking when you say that, like what plant communities would be awesome to key in on right now, and I would think either young forest or or a harvested forest, plenty of sunlight, um, taller grass, taller native grass, um, and and one in particular, brambles or vines, um, in, in creating kind of that dense pocket. Especially young forest combined with tall grass, combined with vines. Something like that would be like, I would want to find that, because I feel like that could be a spot that would hold up some deer during this time of the year.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for something that is dense enough, thick enough to hold a deer, hide a deer. And again, you, you can have some of that on a, on a property, but, but taking it to the next level is the location of it in relation to topography, in relation to access. Um, there, there's just so many finer points, I think, than just being a hunter or just being a landowner there's there's a deeper level of understanding and essentially to, to to circle back and bring all this together. If you're frustrated by the rut, opposed to excited for the rut, then then you're probably not you're probably in the boat that does not have quality, you're not managing quality plant communities in the right locations. You might just be hunting a property you might just be let's say hunting 120 acres opposed to someone who's saying boy I can't wait for the rut I've yeah. got so many deer I've got I've got some great stands I've got great access I'm going to be gaining deer during this time frame because of the cover and 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 I've got 120 acres of wonderful hunting opportunities with food plots but but with with bedding opportunities of different types of cover and different stages of cover, but also different mast, And they're all correlated and, and and laid out in a way that creates pinch points. It creates funnels. And then I can hunt the downwind sides of some of these areas effectively and not pressure the farm too much. That's what we're talking about.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Too. Yep. And man, what a, it, it, what a, a topic to kind of open up the can of going, you know, uh, going off on a rabbit trail. That's a whole other podcast, and uh, we probably have done it. I mean, at some point in 350 plus podcasts, we're bound to regurg or to repeat ourselves. But would you rather have 400 acres leased, 800 acres leased, 1600 acres leased, or 200 acres that you get to heavily manage? I, I think about some of the guys that. In some of the regions of the United States, the amount that they pay per acre on a lease going that's a farm payment to me that's a that yeah. that, that that's that's borderline. You could buy a a smaller 100. farm for that and heavily manage it, and I would much rather go that choice than than continue leasing, but that's you know, just
0: there's, me there's no doubt there's no doubt i I think the um the control the flexibility. Everything that is involved in land ownership, and I'm not knocking people at all who lease, because I'm one of them. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I'm just saying, I I have some land that I'm managing, but I also have a lease. Adam, you've been a part of um, leases in the past, I believe. <laughs> well, I and,
1: the, the woodlands was a lease before we bought it, and right. I can yeah, tell you exactly what right. we've done in the past. Ten years has it been at least versus what we've done in the past ten months is like night and day. Night and day, like fiddlesticks, and and completely rechanging the farm in eight months, like it's right. totally different. Totally, totally different. And so that's
0: what we're essentially coming back to, circling back to, is is if you have control of a property, the direction of its resources. Man, if you're not manipulating it and you're a deer hunter, you are, you are shooting yourself in the foot. You are missing out on some crazy good experiences. And um, the joy and the education, I think, that comes from land management is very, very powerful.
1: And um,
0: you should get into it if you're not.
1: No doubt. No. Because <laughs> the deer are in it. I know that much. The deer are in it. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot more fun to me. Like when you think about it, it's more, I should say more rewarding to, to really do the work, start really revamping and doing some stuff and then just see how deer patterns kind of migrate toward that, uh, towards that. Like for example, with Goofy, it was just like that slope was nothing, man. I mean, it was a, it was a kind of a wasteland before, or it was a wasteland before. Let's not try to church it up and, and, uh. It was pretty pitiful, and, and with heavy management now, it's one of my favorite places on the farm, and I'm sure I'm going to have way more other places that look similar to that, but it's it takes time to get there, and it's going to take a timber harvest and some burning and some TSI, but it's it's just like, okay, that place was just a wasteland, and it kind of feels like the heartbeat of the farm now with deer patterns, especially the, the bigger bucks, and I don't that's right. think that's ironic. I think there's a there's a reason for that. I think it's one hundred percent comes down to quality and diversity of plant communities.
0: Well, I, I think what's what's the funny part is looking back now and and you know knowing and seeing the change and taking part of it. it <laughs> I don't know how many times in, in my head, and I people might be surprised uh, I say this, but you know, walking past it or walking up and down it during turkey seasons like. In your head, we've all cursed that slope. <laughs> it's like it yeah. used to be just nothing. I mean, yeah. it was just pitiful, and now it is vibrant, full of wildlife during every month of the year, full of amazing plant communities. And um, that's a snapshot. That is a snapshot of what the future is to come with um, with that with that. Farm the area, so it's gonna be cool to watch. But mm-hmm. it, it, it's like a zero to a to an eight and a half really quickly.
1: Yeah, no really quickly. doubt, no doubt. But guys, I I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. And um, man, good luck over the next couple of weeks. I know gun, firearm season, gun season will be open up for a lot of people in the next couple of weeks um, during this middle part of November. So um, good luck. Be good safe. Luck be safe. Yes. Yep. And um, we'll catch you here next week. All right guys, we'll see ya. Yep.